actually do their own job. I mean, we would have scarred children for life, you know, if uh, they were up there. But uh, next week, we are going to begin a different check-in process for our kids. All the kids will be checked in upstairs because we think it will create a better environment uh, for them to learn. Uh, If you've ever had uh, your kids in the racquetball court before or you've been in the racquetball court before, you'll know that is not the healthiest place uh, to uh, teach kids. So we're going to do some things. We're going to have a new computer system, too, that you can check your child in. Uh, That way we think it will be much better uh, for uh, both security side and efficiency side. And so next week, uh, on October 7th, all kids, infant through uh, sixth grade, will uh, be checked in upstairs, and uh, we have some more room and better space and better security to kind of do that. So that is that. I just want to say, too, how proud I am of you guys. Uh, Yesterday was an amazing day in the life of the jar. It started at 11 o'clock, and uh, we fed somewhere between 200 to 300 people uh, at the Muncie Mission. And the Ball State uh, basketball team came and kind of served with us, and they gave me free sweet tickets for the rest of the year. <laughs> Not really. But, uh, <clears throat> but they were there, and they served too. And uh, I just want to highlight a couple people, Kathy Light and uh, Brenda Sutherland, Uh, who spent a lot of time and energy kind of putting this together to care and to reach out to those who were poverty-stricken. And so uh, make sure you get a chance to say uh, thank you to them. And then secondly, last night, our evangelism team invited uh, two child care facilities, Apple Tree and Huffer, to a free evening at Escapades. And so from 7 to 9, we had 175 children uh, from our community that we reached out to. And so I was just thinking about it, that yesterday you guys walked across rooms and you impacted lives of close to 500 people. And uh, I just want to say how awesome it is uh, to be a part of a church that really wants to be outward focused. Well, I want to begin this morning with this statement, and it's this. Nothing compares to a great story. Nothing compares to a great story. When two people come together and they begin to start connecting with one another and they start talking, they immediately start talking about stories. It's the picture of a grandma who has a a little uh, infant or a little toddler on their lap and stories start happening. It's two guys in a fishing boat who are fishing and before long the story becomes that the fish was this big, you know. Um, It's a story of two people who get stranded at an airport and they strike up a conversation and before long there are just stories that are coming out of it. And it's two friends, maybe someone that you hadn't seen for a long time, You ever had this experience, you haven't seen them for a long time, and you see them and you connect, and all of a sudden you start telling stories, because stories are so important, and stories are powerful. You see, the reality is no one likes a conversation like this. Um, How are you doing, sir? Just say fine. I'm doing fine. And then you say, how are you doing? How are you doing? Fine. 
And then we walk away. That's not a fine story. That's a story that stinks. Nobody cares about fine. How are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. Your whole life may be blown apart, but you're like, fine, fine. That is not a story. And no one wants to do that. Why? Because there's no meaning around that word fine. I mean, this morning, if I were to tell you a story about a mariachi band, a fifth of tequila, and a cat, you guys would want to hear that a little bit more, wouldn't you? I don't have a story like that, okay? But we love stories. And we see this at a very early age, and we understand how important stories are and how they form and shape us. So this morning I thought I would give you three stories and uh, just tell the person beside you, or you can shout it out loud, um, what is this a story about? Let me give you the first one. Once there was a poor little girl who was forced to work very hard for her wicked stepmother. One night, her fairy godmother magically created a beautiful ball gown and a glass slipper for her. She went to a ball, met the prince, and lived happily ever after. And the name of the story is? Cinderella. Cinderella. You're good. One for one. Here's the second one. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who wandered into a house in the woods. She ate some porridge that was in the house, sat in their chairs, and finally fell asleep in the smallest bed. She was awakened by the family of three, and when she saw them, she was so frightened that she ran all the way home. And the story is? And the three bears. Some of you, some of you just forget about the bears. Like, gosh, Peter's going to be after our church now because uh, you don't care for bears. Here's the next one. One day there were three pork brothers. Each one built a house a little bit differently. One built it with straw, one with twigs, and one with bricks. Along came a big bad villain, and he blew down the straw and twig house. But when he tried to blow up the brick house, he fell. And the story is? And the big bad wolf. Okay. You see, folks, at an early age, we learn to listen to stories and we can quote them because stories are so important to us as a human race. And stories are powerful. In fact, if you want to be a walk-across-the-room type person, you've got to realize that one of the keys in knowing that is that stories are powerful. That's the first kind of fill-in if you want to pull out your teaching guide. The first one is stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. The first story that was ever written went like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the first story, the first line of any story that was ever written, and it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And the story goes on that God continued to create and create and create and create until He came to the pinnacle of His creation, and that is human beings. And after the creation story, 
God continues to tell His wonderful story in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And the whole story is about Him demonstrating His amazing love for all people. And the reality is, folks, the reason God created us was not because God was lonely. He wasn't scared. He wasn't fearful. But He did it because He wanted a family. And this book, folks, is not a book that you beat people down with, but it's a love letter from God. And we're going to talk about this in October and November. That'll be our whole campaign about talking about how do we get this into our life and we understand it more. This entire book is about God devising a plan of showing love to all people. And when we know His book, we're able to show His love. In fact, the Bible says this, It was a happy day for Him when He gave us our new lives through the truth of His Word. And we became, as it were, the first children in His new family. You see, folks, the, the stories in this Bible are so powerful because they're stories of God that have been given to us. They're story of words that give encouragement and love and peace and joy to our lives if we open it up. In fact, this book has wise words and healing words and helpful words. There are gentle words and grace-filled words and kind words. And most of all, they're words of love for us. Now, my question for you this morning is, are these the type of words that come out of your mouth when you tell your story? For instance, if we were to poll your family and friends this morning, and we were to ask them, um, when this person, you, are around them, do they have words that are encouraging and life-giving? Or would they say, no, that's not true? Or let's give like an example. Think about the last thing you said before you walked into this gym today. Now, were those words loving and kind? you remember who you were talking to and what you said? Were those words life-giving and filled with love? Or, they, or were they more like this? I hate being late. We're always late. Would you just be on time? Hey, how you doing today? God good. Or, that kid's driving me crazy. You've never watched the kids. Why aren't you watching? Hey, God bless you. I love kids. Yeah. I mean, what are the words that come out of your mouth? Isn't it very interesting that God allows the power of words to dwell within us? You know, there's a phrase that is said. I'll see if you can finish it. It says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but yeah, words will never hurt me. That's a dumb quote. That's the stupidest quote I've ever heard in my life. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Friends, words are important and they're powerful. And it just seems to me that if we could find a way to make the words around us be good and for the good of people around us as we tell God's story. And we do it in clear and compelling ways with a humble spirit and a caring heart. 
that we just might be able to put the kibosh on the culture that says, when I think of the church, or when I think of a Christian, I think of someone who's judgmental, and rigid, and egotistical, and uptight. And we might be able to show them that there is a family that God has put together that is not like that at all, but they really resemble His heart of love. I mean, these are people who tell the truth. They're people who care for the poor. They're people who love and serve their husband or their wife. They're people who really model and care Jesus' teaching to their kids. And I just believe that if we would become some of those walk-across-the-room type people who had powerful stories with words like that, that we would literally turn the world upside down. And it would begin right here in Muncie, Indiana. People really would be so receptive to God's story if we were people like that. In fact, that's the second point, that God has a story. And it's important for you to learn it well. God has a story, and it's important to learn to tell it well. So stories are powerful, and God has a story, and He wants you to learn to tell it well. You know, a lot of your uh, friends and family and neighbors and co-workers really are open to things of God. And as we use kind of encouraging and loving and kind words, and we develop friendships, and we discover people's stories, God is going to blow open the door for you to have conversations with people, spiritually speaking. He is going to give you an opportunity to share a word or tell him uh, someone that you, uh, or to tell someone why you walked across the room and what God has done in your life. And the question is, when people start asking you, tell me about your relationship with God, what are you going to say? I mean, if a friend or coworker came up to you today or a neighbor and they said, uh, Hey, Joe, that is if your name's Joe, we've been friends for a very long time and I really appreciate the fact that You've been cool about not pushing the God card on me, even though that I know you're, you're connected to Him and you're growing with Him. And I really appreciate that. Well, anyway, though, I've uh, started kind of going south in my marriage with my spouse. And we're not really talking like we used to, and the kids are having issues. And, well, I, I finally just decided that I might give this church thing an opportunity. So kind of as a, a last-ditch effort, um, you know, you've talked about your church and you've talked about what God's done in your life. If, if you would, if you could just walk with me through this, that would be great. And so let me just ask you my first question. Is this God person that you're attracted to, is he really worth following? So if one of your friends came up and they asked you that, what would you say? And some of you right now might be like, I'm freaking out. I wouldn't know what to say. Well, that's the reality of most Christians. We're a little bit fearful on the side of what would we say and how would we say it. Well, you're not alone because for most of my adult life, folks, I did not do a very good job of knowing how to tell the story of God in a way that would impact people's lives. 
But one day, I kind of learned a tried-and-true example that you guys can do. You could practice it this week. You could do it this week with a friend. And it really isn't anything more than needing a piece of paper and a pen. And so you have a piece of paper and a pen called your teaching outline. I'd like you to pull it out for a second. And I'm going to take you through a uh, little illustration. It'll come up on the side screens as well that you can see that's called the bridge. So someone comes up, they're asking about, tell me about God's story. What is God's story really all about? And it all begins with kind of this two beings that began this whole thing called uh, life. First is, there's a God. And there is us. And you matter to God. You matter to God more than anything else. And He loves you. And you matter so much to Him that He wants a relationship with you. But the only problem is, is that if you're human and you're like me, that sometimes I really don't want God to be a part of my life. I'd rather do things my own way. And there is a scripture that tells us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all separated ourselves from God. And so, that's called sin, by the way. Anything that you do that separates yourself from God is a word called sin. It's when you mess up, flub up, screw up in this thing called life. For me, it was pretty much all of college, okay? I mean, I got to college and I totally turned my back uh, on this guy. Well, when that happens and there's this divide, most human beings think, you know what, I really want to get connected to God, so I'll start doing things that will draw me closer to Him. What are some of the things that you do to get God on your good side? Just yell them out. Well, don't yell them all at once, you know. There's one over here. Give money. Yeah, you know, like when that red kettle will come out at Christmas time, you're like, you got that, God? Okay. Yelled at my wife last night, but here's 13 cents. Uh, we're good, right? Okay. What else? You pray. What else? You go to church, right? Go to church, everything's good. God, I went to church today. Click. I'm good for a week, month, till the next time I come. Bible study. You read the Bible. Yeah. Um, so all of those things are kind of there. The only problem is, is that all of our good works can't get us to God. And so what happens is we begin to fall. And we fall into a valley. And God says that there has to be a penalty for your separation, your sin in, in life. I mean, it's kind of like with our kids. Good parents know when to discipline and say, hey, this is the penalty for you being disobedient. And God says that the, dis, the penalty for this is pretty severe. He says the penalty for our sin is death. How many want to sign up for that? Everybody, you don't even want to talk about death. That's why we think it's like, they passed away. They're no longer with us. They're in a better place. We don't even say death. Like, I've said death four times, and some of you are like, okay, that's enough. You know? And so something had to happen. 
But because God loves us so much, He said, you know what? I'm going to send to you kind of a person in your place. Because there has to be something that has to pay for this death. And so there's a death penalty. But you don't have to do it. Jesus Christ did it on the cross. And it says when that happened, that God marked out your death. That you will never experience death for eternity. You may experience in this life, but in the next life, you will live forever. I've said this to you many times before, but just felt like some of you need to hear that today. Your existence here on earth is one grain of sand. Your existence in heaven, in eternity, is all the other grains of sand on the world. Folks, it's a very short period of time, so make your life count. And so, this happens this way. And the reality is, I bet most of you knew this when you walked in today. But to know this and to act upon it is two different things. And so you have to decide where you're going to be. How will you connect with Him? And so you might do this illustration and you would ask the person, where do you think you're at on this? Because God is welcoming with loving arms, ready to adopt you into His family. Where would you say you're at? And then they could say, well, hey, I'm here, or I'm here, or man, I'm ready to make that decision today. That makes sense? Very simple kind of thing. Folks, if you don't get anything else, I hope what you get from this bridge illustration is that Jesus is the bridge to everything in life. You want to grow. You want your family to be better. You want to know the one who knows you best and loves you most. It's about giving your one and only life to the one who canceled out your death. The Bible puts it this way. It says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be condemned. He has crossed over from life to death. That's what this is about. Crossing over from life, or from death into life. A couple years ago, there was a woman that started connecting here at the jar. And uh, very bright, very intelligent, read a lot. And her uh, daughter and granddaughter came too. And so we were just growing. She said, hey, I'd like to go out to lunch sometime. So we went out to lunch. And uh, this is the way the the, uh, conversation began. She said, I want to know more about this God that you talk about every single Sunday, but I don't know if I'm good enough. I mean, I'm struggling with debt, my daughter's sick, I smoke, and I haven't always lived a good life. I mean, I'm not a horrible person, but there are some things about me that are pretty ugly. So I kind of just felt a prompting because I knew this, because I'd practiced this a lot, that this would be a great illustration for her to understand who this God is and what he did. So I asked the server for a pen, because I didn't have one. Always come prepared, by the way. And I just took out a napkin, and I started going through exactly what I just taught you guys how to do. And I went through the whole process. And at the end, I just kind of said, hey, you know, do you have any questions, or is there anything you'd like 
to say. But I want to know, where do you think you're at on this? You could just put an X wherever you think you're at, and it doesn't matter. Well, she thought about it for a while, and uh, this is what she told me. She said, well, I feel like I'm walking, but I'm not quite there yet, but I'm somewhere here in the middle. Now, at that point, folks, I didn't take her by the arm and go, well, you need to get all the way. Let's pray. And I didn't do this either. Oh, well, that's good. Never talked to her for another month. I sat down. We talked about a little bit more. I got her connected with another female here in the church that could kind of help her in this process. Now, let me say this. This illustration may work great for some of you. And it may work great with one of your friends. It may not work at all. You might be like, that thing doesn't make sense to me at all. I don't get it. But whatever the process is, folks, the way that you engage people and the words that you say are really important. Are they humble words? Are they healing words? Are they wise words? Are they gentle words? Are they grace-filled words? Remember, folks, you're not responsible for transforming a person's heart. You're simply responsible for saying, God, I'm open today. If you want me to walk across the room, just let me know. You give me the whisper, I'll do it. Your role is when the prompting comes that you walk and you have something in mind to be able to share God's story. Well, this is the final key in uh, walk across the room type person. And it's not only realizing that uh, stories are powerful, that God has a story, but you have a story. You have a story and you have to learn to tell it well. You have a story, so you have to learn to tell it very well. You see, not only does God have a story, but you have a story. And the best way to impact your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, is when those two stories are blended together. Your life is a powerful story, folks. And it's your job to tell it. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and some of you don't, and that's okay today. We're in a series. We'll do another series uh, here in a couple weeks that will deal with something different. But if you're here today and you have a relationship with them, um, your story is powerful and you have to be able to tell your before story when you came to Christ and what has your life been like since then. Because people don't want to follow bad stories. They want to follow stories of people whose lives have been transformed. Let's just look at a few of these stories in the Bible. Let's take, for instance, a guy in John chapter 9 who was a blind man. Blind his whole life. He'd never seen anything before. And one day Jesus comes into his town and he restores his sight. And when people would come up to him, they'd say, Hey, 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 you're following this Jesus guy now. Why is that? He would say, Well, all I can say is this. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's all I know that he did. But because of that, I'm following him. That's his story. He told it thousands of times, I'm sure. And when people would come up to him and they'd say, hey, 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 tell me, why do I need to follow this Jesus? He'd say, well, this is what happened to me. I was blind, Christ came into my life, and now my life is different because I see. That's his story. How about Zacchaeus, the guy that we talked about last week? His life was all about money. Money, 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 money. 
money. You know, it's all about money. And Jesus goes one day towards his house, and Zacchaeus is too small to see him, so he climbs up into a tree, and out of everybody that Zacchaeus, or that Jesus sees, he sees Zacchaeus, he says, come down from that tree. Let's go hang out at your house together. Jesus kind of invited his way in. And they get there, and he learns about Jesus, and the scripture says that everyone in the household was saved, and look what this guy with money did. He gave all of his possessions, half of them, he gave half of his possessions to the poor. And then he said, if there's anyone that I cheated, I'll pay them back four times as much. Now, what do you think this story is going to be like for the rest of his life? It's going to be like this. People say, well, why is Jesus so important to your life? He said, well, my whole story was all about money. Greed had taken over. It messed up every relationship in my life. And then one night, Jesus came to my house, and we talked, and he gave me a plan that was so much more important than money. And now I want to give my money away to the poor and be truthful and right-filled and righteous with the things that I give away financially. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. How about the story of the woman who was caught in adultery? I mean, you think about that. How embarrassing must have that been? So they find her, shacked up with a guy. She's committing adultery. They take her out of the house into the public square and they all pick up a stone and they're getting ready to hail one and Jesus walks up to them and says, Hey, any of you without sin, cast the first stone. And all of a sudden you start hearing this. You know what that is? The sound of stones dropping to the ground. And Jesus comes to her and he picks her up by the hand and he lifts her up and he says, I don't condemn you. I love you. Just don't go and sin anymore because your life's worth more than that. Walk a different way. And can you imagine when people would come up to her then and they'd say, now why are you following this Jesus person? They could say, I was in this house. Me and this dude were doing the nasty. We were shacked up. I came to the middle of the public square. They were going to kill me. And Jesus walked into the place and said, Hey, I don't condemn you. I love you. I want you in my life. Now, the reality is some of you are going to go away today and what you're going to remember most of all is he said nasty in church. (laughs) But folks... This is the thing that I want you to get. Do you know how powerful that would have been if you were that person? I mean, I don't get very tearful very much. Not. But folks, that's the story of the Bible. You think about that. You have friends that have gone through a divorce or an adulterous affair or something like that, and you know that pain. And now you take that pain and you put it in the public square and people are getting ready to stone you to death and someone comes down and they reach you up out of that and they say, you know what, you're not condemned. That's a powerful story. Or how about this story? My whole life, was about trying to please other people. I wore a mask. I acted like I had it all together on the outside. I wanted to impress people and please other people. 
But on the inside, I was lying to myself to keep up my image. When I was 26, I met the fullness of Jesus Christ. I realized I didn't have to hide my true self, that God loved me as is. One day, I received an acceptance and freedom from Jesus to just be me. And today, I don't live a fake life. I live a real life because God loves me no matter what. Do you know whose story that is? It's my story. That's my story. I lived the first 26 years of my life, folks, wearing a mask, trying to impress and be something for every other person that I was around. And when that mask came off, folks, there was such freedom and acceptance. And if people ask me that, I can tell my story. Why can I tell my story? Because I wrote it down. I know what my story is about and how God came into the midst of that. Folks, all of you have a pattern like this. You all have before Christ and then you have an after Christ story. And people are searching and they're seeking and they want to hear from somebody. Please tell me the story of God's story, what it was like before and then after How has God made a difference in your life? And so a simple and powerful way is just to say, this is what I was like before, and this is what I've liked, this is what I'm like after. Well, this morning I want you to hear a very powerful story from uh, Gary Griffin. It's the story of his life, really, and how he and Kathy Light um, formed this friendship and the power that came as uh, the story was shared. So if you would, let's give a hand uh, to Gary and Kathy as they come up. just about got the marker on his pants, so we moved that. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for being here, and uh, you're among friends, people that love you, and uh, we just want to be able to hear your story a little bit. So, Gary, can you kind of tell me a little bit about what your story was like um, before uh, you came uh, to Christ? Uh, I was raised in a Christian household, and it was pretty wonderful, parents, uh, we were middle class, my brother and I were taught the Christian ways, Uh, we went to church every weekend, we weren't the perfect family, but I mean, we had a very stable upbringing, and they just really took care of us as kids. As far as a kid, I was uh, fairly obedient. I mean, we were two kids, and and, uh, my parents did let us be boys, so I made halfway decent grades, and I guess if you were on the outside looking in, you'd think that we were on the straight and narrow path and, and just 
had a great life. Okay. So life's going good. Everything's going pretty well. And then I know when you turned 14, uh, something hit your life that kind of turned your world upside down a little bit. Can you talk about that? Yeah. At 14, uh, my father was 49 years old. And uh, he was my entire universe. I mean, if he was anywhere near, I was going to be within arm's length of him. Uh, He was very caring for me and just totally took care of me. It was just, we were, you just couldn't separate us. And uh, every day at 4.30, I'd get down the block, and I'd meet him from his carpool. We'd come down the alley. We would discuss our daily routines, uh, what we were going to have for supper that night. It didn't matter as long as I was in his presence. That's all that mattered to me. And on one particular night, I met him in his carpool. And uh, we were joking around, and we had our race down the alley. And we walked into the house, and Mom was there, and she explained to him that what we were going to have for supper and uh, how long it was going to take. Well, he thought he had enough time to go in and clean up before supper. So off he went, and, of course, I helped Mom in the kitchen and... Uh, that's when we heard a big thud. And, of course, I was the first one in the uh, bathroom where he was at. And uh, my father literally died of a massive heart attack in my arms. And at that time, my life was gone as far as I was concerned. At first, I was just totally numb. It just... It was unbelievable. And then that numbness turned to anger. And, uh, boy, it was pretty deep. And it was focused at everyone and everything, including God. There's, you know, I was mad. I don't know why I turned it into anger, but I did. Yeah. And, what, and then that anger hits. And how did it kind of show itself? I guess. Well, my mother went back to, you know, she had to go to work to support us. And uh, that left me, a downtown kid, to run the streets. And uh, let's just say a kid with a bad heart. I mean, if you crossed me in my eyes, I was going to make you pay. Uh, I was in and out of trouble almost every day. All the cops in town knew me, and I knew them. I got to run with other boys, single parents, and we just, we had the run. And uh, Mom tried. It was drinking, partying, and uh, I did. I held deep grudges, and I didn't trust a soul. My grades were failing, and this caused a lot of stress for my mother. 
and my out-of-control lifestyle was just wild. I mean, and this happened for seven or eight years. So uh, all this kind of anger and just out of control, your, your life is kind of spiraling out of control at this point. But something positive kind of happened in your life when you're around 21, early 20s. And uh, can you talk about that a little bit? I most certainly can. Sometimes you don't know he's creeping back in there, but he does. I mean, he's got his ways of getting to you. And uh, around that time, I happened to meet my wife. She's the love of my life. And uh, she loved me uncontrolled. Just, I can't tell you how much she did for me. Julie was raised in a good Christian family. Uh, For some of us older folks that watch sitcoms, They were known as the Ozzy and Harriet of their neighborhood. They were just perfect people. Yeah, I'm not aware of that, but... um... (laughs) I don't even know if they had TVs when they were... (laughs) But they were good Christians, and they took me in like you wouldn't believe. And and you you just, you think that that, uh, that's going to soften you up, but it didn't. I still... I held it against God for taking my father, and it, it, it went on for years. I blamed him, and I just it just seemed like I couldn't get my life back together. So, uh, 2006, uh, something kind of happened that changed uh, your heart a little bit. It was softened a little bit more, and uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, Jill and I had been trying to get it together, and, and, and she was helping me. And I had to go to a few anger management courses, uh, which I needed. And uh, the guy just, he saw me for weeks. He gave me a battery of tests. And basically, he just told me I was probably the most angry person he had ever met in his life. He sent me to a Christian bookstore. I got some books about eternal life, self-control, and forgiveness. And uh, I'll just say they worked. We started talking. We started looking for churches and, and... just realizing how blessed we were and we just needed God back in our life. Uh, 2006, that was the uh, year my daughter came home and told me she was getting married. And not only did she tell me she was getting married, she was getting married to a Baptist preacher. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Not, not my first choice. I just, felt, I just felt some of this anger starting to come back again, you know? You know, you're always thinking uh, doctor, lawyer, but nah, she, she wanted to marry a Baptist preacher, and he was a fine young gentleman and is. Uh, my son-in-law and my daughter, they wanted to talk to me about my faith, about the Bible. 
And I was trying, but it had been a while. So I started reading the Bible again. And it ended up from cover to cover, which I really needed. I just wanted to be educated and uh, talk to them in a manner that, that, that I understood and they understood. And it, it, it came back together, and it was very fulfilling. Okay. So that's kind of your before life uh, with Christ. And, and Kathy, you're here because uh, you met Gary uh, a little bit before... God kind of took hold of his entire life. And can you describe what he was like a little bit? I mean, I'm a little bit intimidated, to be honest. Uh, yeah. When I met Gary and Julie, um, we liked him. We had the same friends, and we ended up going to the same parties together, and we hung out at the Amex together. And actually, they live a couple houses down from my son and his wife. So um, we were around him a lot. And actually, he was really, I thought he was pretty opinionated, and I was... I wasn't scared of him, but, yeah, they, a lot of people would be in conversations with him and um, arguing with him about, I don't know, now what, politics, whatever. And I would think to myself, give it up. You're not going to win. Just let it go. And I never got into any of those conversations with him. And um, But um, he... Um, wasn't that real? He's really not that mean. He just kind of gives the appearance. I always thought if a fight breaks out in him, I'm behind him because no <laughs> one's going to mess with Gary. Me too. Well, well, Gary and Julie came over one time and we were just sitting out on the deck and they were talking about their daughter going to marry a preacher and all that and that they had been looking for a church. And um, Monty and I invited them to the jar. And in my head, I remember, man, I've got CDs from your teachings, that I, the ones I had missed. I always try to pick up. And um, so I went and got them, and I give them to them. And I said, listen to these, and if you're interested, you know, we'd love to have you. And so not too long after that, Julie told me, she said, yeah, we want to come to the jar. And they did start coming. And um, we were glad to have them. And, you know, they seemed to like it okay. And after a while, they just kind of didn't come anymore. And uh, we would see them. And sometimes we would say, well, you, why don't you come back to the jar? But we didn't badger them. But during that time, I did pray that they would find a church that was suitable for them. Because, you know, everybody's looking for something different. And maybe the jar wasn't what they were looking for. Okay. Well, Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Well, anyway, they um, ended up coming back to the jar and um, regularly. And um, I, uh, one time Gary and I was in the kitchen. He was there talking to Monty about some stuff, and he had left the room, and Gary was like, I, you know, I just want to know more about this, um, you and Christ. And, you know, he's wanting to know what was going to be expected of him. And, you know, I just told him. Everybody does it different. You know, to me, going to church gives me a jump start for the rest of the week. And um, you don't have to be perfect. You know, I told him people in our church aren't perfect. And um, so they started coming. That was pretty cool. And he's really, really got hooked when he started helping with the mission. But I'll let him talk about that. Okay. So uh, he gets connected. You guys kind of get connected. And... Um it didn't happen overnight. It took a while in prayers that you were kind of praying. And uh, then kind of a, a couple things kind of happened, though, over this past few months that were kind of cool. And so I wondered if you could 
could share about that a little bit. Um, it, are you talking about Easter? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, I didn't come to church that day. We were having communion, and I was sick. And um, after church, my sister Brenda called me. <clears throat> she said, Kathy, Chris set up a special table for people that had never took communion and wanted to accept Christ. And she said, Gary went to the table. And I said, oh, my gosh, I missed it. And then she said, I looked back at Julie, and she said she was just crying. And she said, so that made me cry. And so then when I hung up, I cried. And um, uh, so I seen Gary a couple of days after that, and I gave him a big hug. And I told him congratulations. And he said, um, you did it, Kathy. You're the one. And I said, yeah, I'm not the one, Gary. This church is the one that did it. From the person that greets you at the door to the stranger that shakes your hand, it's everybody in here. And the love that the church has for each other, it's what did it for me. Coming to the jar did it for me, and they did it for you. It wasn't me. <laughs> okay, so you have this moment where uh, I still remember that. We were this way then, and uh, I said, if anyone uh, wants to accept Christ today, I'm going to be here at a communion table, and you come up. And this big guy comes over here to my table, and uh, we shared communion for the first time. And it was such a beautiful kind of thing. And, and then he was like, I'm in. And I said, okay, you're in. I didn't know if, like, you're in trouble or, you know. No, he said, no, I'm, I'm in. And I said, okay. And uh, then when you said you were in, you've been full board in. And uh, something happened about a month ago. Uh, when you got baptized, and just wondered if you could share about that. Yeah, August 12, 2012, that was uh, an amazing day for me, one of the best in my life. I, I was able to share this day with my family, with Kathy, and my church family. And the support I got from you people... You know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, there's going to be a few people out there, a couple family members, but no. You people showed up in force, and I'm telling you, it was very much appreciated. It was. And how's your life been different since you kind of accepted Christ? Well, I, was, I, was, I think I was a new person that day. I knew that, that God had forgiven me for my sins and loved me no matter what. Uh, it just... It was like lifting the world off my shoulders. It, it, my grudges are gone. My angry heart towards God is gone. Julie might tell you I have setbacks on occasions, but <laughs> it's, you know, I, I just, it's, I can't tell you the relief. It's, I believe I'm a better person since Jesus came into my life, and I am committed to Him. For the rest of my life, it's been great. Awesome. Hey, let's give Gary and Kathy. Gary wasn't real excited about sharing his story, so he's like, "Dude, I made it, but that was tough." So. Uh, you did great, Gary. You really did. Sure. Real quick, 
four suggestions as you think about your story this week. First of all, these aren't in your notes, so you can write them down. First of all, make your story brief. I can't tell you how many times I've been to, uh, with a person and they start telling me about what Jesus did in their life. And they like start on September 30th, but it's Christmas before they're done. You know, just narrow that thing down. It doesn't have to be so long. And uh, allow people to actually, you know, ask questions. I mean, for the love of God and country, folks, don't bore them to death with every detail. You know, a hundred words and let them ask questions. Here's the second thing. Um, it, it needs to be clear. Don't make it fuzzy. Don't uh, create all kinds of uh, different things that, you know, a person can't follow. Make it clear. I mean, uh, this isn't the time to talk about some Christian book that you read and how that author affected your life and go into some big soliloquy of that. This isn't the time to talk about a conference you went to or a pastor that said, come forward, and you came forward and gave your life to Jesus. I mean, all those things are great, but you don't need to put all that in there. And also, you don't need to give any weird God story, you know? Well, I was just driving one day, and I looked up at the moon, and all of a sudden, I saw Jesus' face. And I thought, I've got to give my life to Jesus, you know? We all have weird God stories, folks, but you don't have to tell people, you know? Keep that between yourself and your weird friends, not these new normal people, you know, that are kind of coming. Here's the next thing. Um, no religious terminology. In other words, don't go into Christianese. You know, people will start talking about things like justification or sanctification or salvation, and people are like, I don't get it. Or they'll say, well, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. People don't know what that means. Or, I got saved. People are like, they got saved. I, I know them. I don't want to get that saving thing in my life, you know. Just speak your story in a clear, easy way without a whole bunch of God kind of terminology within the midst of that. Last thing, no hint of superiority. Don't act superior. Don't act like this. Well, before my life was all messed up, but I felt God. Now, look, I got it all together. Any hint of superiority that you get from friends, neighbors, or anyone else, they will dart and they will run and they will go away. And I don't blame them. Be humble as you share. Okay, this is the challenge, and then we're out of here. I'm challenging every single one of you. And some of you are men, so I'm getting in your grill right now, okay? I'm challenging you to write your story this week. It only has to be a hundred words, and it has to be a simple kind of before, when you met Christ, and then after. And if you'll email that to me, I will answer every single one of them, and I will give some input and encouragement to you. Now, let me just say a couple of things. First of all, if it's more than a hundred words and you ramble on for two pages, move away from the computer. Because when I respond, I will say, way too long, okay? doesn't need to be that long. Also, if it's got a weird God story in it, don't even send it, you know? Just think about it for another week and then send it to me the next week. But we don't need more weird God stories of Jesus in the moon, you know? We just need normal people who connect with people and say, God did this in my life. And if it's got an arrogant kind of tone to it, 
Narrow it down. Don't send it to me. But I'm telling you, folks, for some of you, I'm challenging you because this is the most important thing you can do this week is to write your story, blend it with God's story, so that you have a story to share with people who are far from God. Let's stand for closing prayer. God, I thank you for every single story that is represented in this place. And most of all, God, I thank you for your story, your story that is filled with love and forgiveness for each person here. Help us to understand your story more. Help us to know how to share your story with passion. And God, help us this week that we'd really take on the challenge. Just a hundred words, a paragraph or two, where we would kind of really think about what our life was like before and even more importantly, what it's been like since we met you. God, thank you for blending our story into your story. Help us to write it down this week. And God, I, I was thinking about it this week, that I, I just want to pray a, a powerful prayer. We believe in faith in this place, that you can move mountains. And you do that through prayer. And so I'm praying right now, God, that there would be friends and co-workers and neighbors of the people who are in this gym today who might come to you by the end of this year because their friend sat in a church celebration on September 30th and took the challenge to write their story and to be able to tell it when people ask for questions of God. Would you do that, God, for your honor and for your glory? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you like prayer for anything, please come on up and have a great week. Grace is a triumph to break my bones.